0: Welcome to the APL NextEd Minipod, where for a few minutes each week, academic leaders share insights and perspectives on the most important issues and opportunities facing academic teams. Learn how other schools are managing and strategizing for success as your host, CEO and founder of APL NextEd, Kathleen Gibson, gathers and connects practical seeds of knowledge and experience from her guests.
1: Hello, and welcome to this week's APL Minipod. Today, I'm joined by an extraordinary leader and patient leader in higher education who (laughs) has spent most of her entire career in higher education leadership. Dr. Shimei Ghazaki has been the chancellor of Indiana University's regional campus at Indiana University Kokomo since 2014. This spring, Dr. Shimei Ghazaki was named interim executive vice president of university academic affairs. She is a professor of communication arts at Indiana University, Kokomo, and I know her because of her role as the presidential sponsor of the ACE Women's Network of Indiana. So welcome to Dr. Shami Shami Gasaki and thank you for being here. you.
2: Right Welcome. And and I'm so glad to be here. And boy, do I have a tough name or what, right? So it is just that. And uh, in fact, my students, when they would look at it, would go, oh, my gosh. And then I say, just call me Dr. Sue. So that's how we got started. So
1: Dr. Sue today, right? Dr. Sue, Dr. Sue, thank you. I appreciate that. So you and I could talk for hours and hours about all matters of things related to higher education leadership and issues in higher education. But the goal of this uh, mini-podcast is to hear from leaders on one particular topic. And today's topic came out of the Inside Higher Education 2021 Chief Academic Officers Survey, which was published earlier this spring, and centers around a topic that I think is quite familiar in higher education around this sort of perceived divide between faculty and administration. I'm really curious today to hear your perspectives on whether that divide is is only, in fact, perceived, first of all. And then secondly, uh, if there is still a divide, what are the reasons for it? And what are the ways that uh, you have thought about in your role as a leader over these many, many years? And particularly now uh, with this very uh, large role you have um, looking after academic affairs for the entire institution, how you might begin to bridge that divide or bring those two groups together? Well, that's a great question, and I do
2: believe the divide is still there, and it's very unfortunate. I, I don't know really how it has arisen throughout history, but there has always been a you know, if you move into administration, you're, you're moving over to the dark side. That's what people say. So when I became a dean, uh, you know, folks said, whoa, you're moving over to the dark side. And I was like, what? I'm still the same person, right? How could that be? How could I be any different? Uh, but it is that tension that is there, right? That the faculty are self-governing. Uh, you wanna have a shared governance with faculty, but there is that particular divide. I hope that as time goes on, it will become less and less of an issue Um, I'm hoping that perhaps the past uh, will eventually um, move into the future where we know that together, we have to lift up higher education in this country and we can only do it together. So some of my strategies for dealing with the tension and the divide is simply to just meet with people. I believe that when people get to know you and they understand you and they trust you, that that divide goes away. Uh, And as a communications professor by trade, Uh, It is what I rely on. So I do meet with every faculty member as the chancellor of IU Kokomo twice a year. Now, I meet in departments, but I meet twice a year. It is not in a faculty senate setting, which I think is a lot of high tension there, Mm -hmm. uh, but rather in their department meetings. And I'll tell you, I learn so much. And we have such great conversations about important topics. So let me give you an example. Just a few weeks ago, I met with a department and the faculty were really concerned about the issue of the use of pronouns with students. So a lot of our students today have chosen their own particular pronoun and the faculty are afraid they might use the wrong pronoun or address the student in the wrong way, especially as we begin to see more and more transgender students in our classroom. And so we just had this wonderful conversation. I brought my faculty uh, diversity liaison with me. And you know what she said? She said, hey, when you make a mistake, what do you do? You just say, hey, I'm sorry. Help me understand how I could do this better. So that conversation was so rich and wonderful. There was no tension, no divide. We're all on the same page. We want our students to feel included and um, we want them to be successful. So, So that's one of the strategies I've used is just to talk to people one-on-one and to try to remove that tension uh, that exists there.
1: Seems like such a great strategy to build relationships. So seems to me that's one of the great purposes of higher education is to be exposed to people who are different and then to have the opportunity to build a relationship and grow and learn from one another and to be able to do that again, even outside of the faculty student context Mm -hmm. and in the administration administrator sort of faculty context it seems like another opportunity for using that sort of strategy to to grow as a person and to and to make a, an organization stronger and, and to achieve greater outcomes are there other other things that you have identified that have worked well or things that you're planning to use as tools or strategies going forward
2: yeah i don't know if you've read brene brown's book dare to lead mm-hmm. um, but i just got to listen to her on a we have a presidential conference going on right now and ask you presidential summer retreat. And so she spoke yesterday and I was so struck by her concept of vulnerability. And I think as I move into this new role and I will be working with the faculty across the whole Indiana University system, I'm not afraid to be vulnerable. Uh, I don't think I ever have been, um, but she reinforced for me and reaffirmed for me the importance of being vulnerable with others. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, self-disclose all over the place or, um, you know, that you share things that you shouldn't share, but rather just to be who you are, right? And to be honest and to be transparent. And I have tried to do that in my career. I don't know that I'm always perfect, but I certainly ask people to challenge me when I'm not. And I do that a lot as a communications professor and a former debater in college. I always say, hey, challenge me. Right, Help me be able to communicate with you in better ways uh, so that we can have some understanding. Uh, As those in communication field know, uh, we may never agree. Right, We may never come to agreement. But if we can at least come to an understanding, I get where you're coming from and you hopefully understand where I'm coming from. And what is the common ground? What could we take a first step with? Um, And so I really appreciate it. And I encourage uh, your audience to read her book. Uh, dare to lead and to think about vulnerability as a leader. Um, And I think if you do, and you feel comfortable with it, I think it would help in this situation, especially.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great concept. I wonder, um, just as a little hiatus off topic, do you think it's more difficult for women in leadership to be comfortable being vulnerable because of perceptions that we have that we may be perceived as weak or Sure. And she talks about that in the book, doesn't she? That, you know, vulnerability is
2: not weakness, right? Um, But of course, that is something that could be attributed to a female versus a male. And I would say on the other side, it may be difficult for men to be vulnerable, because that is not something that has been common to them, right? Um, So we're both kind of in a tough situation. But I think if we can talk about it and if we can share, so I do, I'm very open with people that I meet with. And so I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I'm going to share what I'm really thinking here. I hope that's okay with you. And I think they appreciate it. I think it helps establish better trust um, that I'm willing to be honest and truthful. And there are many times when people say, you know what, I don't believe you. I don't think that you're uh, you're telling us the truth. And I said, I don't know what else to do except to be me and to share honestly what I'm thinking about."
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, two great, great pieces of very specific sorts of counsel or advice for for helping to navigate bridging this gap. Uh, are there other thoughts or considerations sure. or tools or uh, things that you've tried that ha- have worked well? Well, I think that you know, I, I, obviously, I think
2: people matter, right? So I, I invest a lot in relationship building, and then I think culture matters, and so I have spent a tremendous amount of time on the Kokomo campus building a culture together with the folks that I uh, get the privilege of working with every day. Um, I Again, I would recommend another text and it's Diagnosing and Changing Organizational Culture by Kim Cameron and Robert Quinn. They give you this um, tool that you can use to assess your culture. So that's what we did here at IU Kokomo. We assessed our culture um, and then we decided that there were parts of it that we didn't like um, and that there were parts of it we wanted to change. And so we got to work about four or five years ago. And that has served us so well during the pandemic uh, to have this very rich culture that we all had agreed upon and that we all were invested in. And I believe that that helps too, right? So if you, our culture is one of, Um, caring. Uh, We think of ourselves as a family here. We are a small campus, 3,300 students strong, but we also see ourselves as innovators. And so with those two pieces together, we've been able to move forward. And I remind people of that, you know, what's wrong with our culture? Uh, What's happening in our culture if we're not having great conversations, if we don't trust each other anymore, because that's what we decided we wanted to be and what we decided we wanted to do. And we've had problems. Don't get You know, we're not perfect. All families do. Yeah, all families (laughs) do, right? I'll give you another great example. I had a couple of young female faculty members who came to me and said, I'm leaving uh, because of the climate in my department. I was devastated. Here I am, a female leader of a campus, and I have two young female faculty members who are not tenured, who are not feeling comfortable. And it truly was a communication issue within the department. There were people who had said things and didn't realize what they meant to them, right? How they interpreted it and their perception. And unfortunately, they came to me too late. They had already made plans to move on. So what did I do? I immediately went to our faculty and our staff and I said, wow, this has happened to us. Let's go back. Let's look at our culture. How did this happen? They should not have had to come to me. Right. They should not have had to come to the top of the organizational chart. So we've been working on that. I'll be very honest with you about how do we find other outlets for people uh, to share their concerns and to let us know when the culture isn't working. So culture matters too. And I don't know. I'm I'm moving into a very, very large organization, right? I'm going to be responsible for all the campuses of Indiana University um, from an academic viewpoint. And so I'm going to have to think about that from a cultural perspective, but I am going to talk about it and I am going to try to move forward with it because I think those two things, people matter and culture matter, has served me well and I think it will continue to serve me well.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really strikes me so much of what you're saying relates to even the broader sort of divide we're experiencing in our country, which is Mm -hmm. really a lack of communication, a lack of understanding, a lack of trust, sometimes a lack of transparency. You know, it seems as I know this sort of divide has existed for a long time in higher education and and all sorts of other contexts as well. But it does seem as if we're living in a time when we're much more focused on difference and much less inclined Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, in most places anyway, to um, to look for places in which we can agree and places in which we can find common ground um, mm-hmm. so that we can accomplish what it is we're trying to accomplish. How do you, and again, maybe this relates to the question you just asked yourself about this large organization. I mean, as you think about the, I would imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of faculty that you're going to be leading over over the next uh, period of time. How do you think about creating opportunities or even conveying a message of trust and transparency and fostering good communication and understanding? Well, I think
2: you're just up front with it.
1: So as I meet
2: people and as I convene meetings and as I join meetings, I'll introduce myself as someone who uh, truly does want to find common ground, as someone who wants to start there and um, ask for their opinion of how, how can we do this together? What would be some strategies that we could use? The one thing that I had to learn through the years was that people see the role. Um, They don't always see the person. And so on this campus, I do know that people don't always tell me the truth. They tell me what they think I want to hear. And I have to, I have to push them. I have to um, nudge them a little bit to say, it all can't be good. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I know what you're telling me, but it all can't be good. Um, So please be honest with me. And then I do understand that there are different levels within the organization where people say, there is no way I'm going to tell her the truth. Right. Um, So then I give them other outlets. All right. Um, So maybe what you want to do. So a lot of times I'll go into a meeting and nobody will speak and I'll say, okay, I get it. Maybe it's because I'm the chancellor of Indiana University of Kokomo. So how about if you guys get together after I leave, And you jot down some things that you really think I need to know. Because I tell them all the time, I don't know what I don't know. Um, And I need to know, right, in order to be able to respond. It's like these young two female faculty members. I didn't know what I didn't know. Uh, I needed to know, right, Uh, in order for me to respond. So I go in with being very vulnerable. Um, I start with that. And I just say, this is who I am. This is where I come from. I want to work with everybody together. I want us to accomplish good things. Help me help me um, be able to do that work. And what is it that I need to know? What strategies should I be using with the faculty that will enable us to get further down the path and where we are currently today? And that has served me well in all my career. I'm not gonna change my path. I know I'm gonna learn a lot
1: and that's what's so exciting about this next year. Well, and the impact that you're gonna be able to have to bring all that you've learned and the culture that you've built Uh, at Indiana University Kokomo to, you know, to a broader audience. I think, you know, that's a really cool thing. What sort of role or responsibility do you think that faculty have in bridging this divide? I mean, we've talked a lot about the things that administrators need to do. I mean, certainly, I think something you said just a moment ago spoke to me, and that is, you know, I kind of want everyone to treat me like one Mm -hmm. of the group, and it's really hard to do as you've done, be cognizant of the fact that you know, you're different, right? And, Mm -hmm. you you know, you're not going to be treated that way. And, you know, probably rightfully so. And so give opportunities, outlets for the information that you need to get to you. We've all had that awkward experience where someone's intimidated by us or where they're, Mm -hmm. um, or or where they're just, you know, maybe feeling as if they're being shrewd by not sharing things. And um, I think to even call that what it is and recognize it rather than trying to to fit in or to, to um, you know, to make somebody comfortable to the point where you're diminishing your own leadership. I think that's that's great sort of counsel there. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking about the faculty themselves. Um, you started as faculty. I started as faculty mm-hmm. once upon a time. What can faculty do to bridge the divide? Because I think you're right. The ultimate goal is all of us, especially in this time, need to bring higher education up and, and really need to have the students as their, as their primary focus and, and what the students can attain in terms of knowledge and skills as their first focus? What sort of responsibilities or what could faculty be thinking of? Well,
2: I think they need to communicate in the same way. And l- let me just say right off the top that there are so many faculty who do not see the divide, right? And so they are about their work, they're about their students, and they want to work Um, collaboratively. There is still some, right, that see that divide and keep pushing it forward. I'm very blessed right now. of a group of faculty senate officers who see it as, come on, Sue, let's get going and what can we do together? Um, And just wonderful um, collaborators and colleagues that I get to work with. Um, I will be working with the UFC, which is the University Faculty Council, which is representatives from all of the campuses of the IU system. And Um, I'm looking forward to meeting those folks and to figure out how we can communicate better. Um, So I think there are a lot of faculty who see it that way. Um, So that helps, right? Because they can help their colleagues who do not see it that way, Um, maybe come around the corner and be able to see working together. Uh, But I do think faculty have a responsibility to come to the table with good faith, right? Uh, To come trusting. And I guess if they have no reason not to trust you, um, they will come to the table with that but if there have been pieces in the past where somebody has been mistreated or not included or not treated well they're going to be suspect Um, and sometimes people hang on to the past for a long long time and so a lot of times you have to figure out their story uh, ask them about their story i always i start with tell me your story Mm -hmm. who are you where do you come from Uh, what are your experiences Uh, because we know in communication if the sender uh, can understand the receiver. Wow, that's going to help so much more in that communication interaction. And so, you know, you can start with, so what are going to be some of our uh, blockades here? What are some of the issues that have been sitting around for a while that we haven't really been able to resolve? Let's get them out on the table. Let's understand them. Um, let's hear about the past. Um, so on both sides, we have responsibilities. Um, but I, I always believe that it is um, the administrator role because of what you do and and because of, some of the, uh, I don't want to say power, but some of the situation that you have, you know, the ability that you have to tenure or promote or, you know, provide um, raises and those kinds of things that you do have a a sense of power or uh, that kind of thing. So it's up to you to get it started. I think Um, I, I really do believe that you're the one who needs to initiate those conversations and help people get through those conversations and give them the outlets they need to be honest and to talk about those things and give people time, just give them time.
1: What about those sort of practical considerations, I guess, for staying connected to faculty? I mean, certainly when you're in physical proximity, which all of us have mm-hmm. you know, maybe not had that in, in the way that we had in the past, when you're, there seems to be cultural alignment, maybe a clear understanding of mission and so forth, it seems like it's easier to move forward Mm -hmm. as a group and you have less of these sorts of divisions. Are there practical sorts of considerations around efforts to sort of bring everybody together? Are there regular communications that need to happen? Is it, you talked about individual meetings, but does it go even deeper than that or broader than that maybe as it relates to, communication as it relates to a peek into strategy, a peek into budgets, a peek into other sorts of areas that may seem sort of black box-ish to folks and may make that trust and transparency a little more challenging? Well, you can't communicate enough.
2: Um, You have to continue to communicate. Um, You know, in the literature, it says You need to communicate the same message 10 times, 10 different ways before people will hear it or see it or understand it in ways. And and that is always a challenge and it always will be a challenge for every leader. People will always say, Uh, you're not communicating enough. I mean, that's just something that I have learned through the years that you have got to continue to try to communicate as much as you can uh, in as different different ways that you can to listen when people say that you're still not reaching them. You know, the other day, um, uh, an employee called me on the phone and said, hey, Chancellor, I just want to share with you that you said something that hurt me. And I said, oh, my gosh, what did I say? You know, and she had just totally misperceived what i was what i had said and so we cleared it up right you know what i said is not what she heard in any way shape or form it wasn't anything major you know it was just a basically it was i said oh i'm just so excited about all of us coming back together on campus on august 2nd cuz that's the day we're all coming back and she said but but we've been here. Some of us have been here. And I said, I know we've all been here. I said, but what I meant was all of us together full time coming back. Right. But I didn't put all those words in there. Um, And so she just heard it differently. Mm -hmm. And so we had to, you know, really clean that up. And uh, so you can never communicate enough. You've got to always be willing to uh, take uh, constructive criticism about what you could do better. Um, you got to have a lot of different channels. So newsletters, emails, text messages, face-to-face, all of that's going to be important. And you got to have some staff with you when, you you know, the organization gets bigger. You've got to have people that help you. Uh, During the pandemic, I tried to communicate every day at first uh, because we all just left, right? In such a hurry, just packed our stuff and ah, we left campus. So tried to communicate uh, via email, very text. I got onto videos. Um, You know, I hadn't, zoom meetings with everybody that I could possibly meet with just to see how they were doing all that kind of stuff. You just will always find that you're just not doing it enough mm-hmm. and you just got to keep working at it. There's just no other way around it.
1: You talked about vulnerability, but I'm also hearing a lot of uh, humility, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as you're leading. So, you know, instead of being defensive or deflective and cause I'm sure you were there all the time, right. And right. So, right. I was so, yeah, so somebody's yeah. coming and saying, you know, I'm, they have yes. their feathers ruffled because of, you know, you could very easily kind of, you know, but mm-hmm. to um, to put yourself in their shoes, to be empathetic, but also to be willing to be humble and to say, let me step back and listen. And that's huge. And when you think of relationships and how things can evolve and expand and move out of what was a misunderstanding, you know, it's really important to I'm sure to have that perspective. and you know, in all of your relationship, but particularly in leadership and where we have uh, many leaders who could, I think, take some advice there from from you related to not only vulnerability, but humility and, and willing to sort of look at yourself and put yourself in in the other person's shoes.
2: Yeah, I, I just think I view it as... Um... You know, you got to lift people up. Uh, you have to serve uh, others. Um, you're not here about yourself. So if you don't have some thick skin and if you're if you're focused on yourself, you're not going to make it, right? It's it's really I'm here to lift this organization up as best I possibly can, and and lifting it up means lifting up people, right? And knowing their stories and and understanding where they're at. And they just view the institution and work so very differently than I do because I sit in a different position than they do. So, um, yeah, you cannot get defensive about it. They they don't mean to attack you. They're not trying to say that. What they're trying to say is something else. And so that's where you have to dig, right? So what was she really trying to say? Well, I don't feel appreciated right now is what I kind of heard her say, right? So uh, although we tried a lot of different things through the pandemic, you know, providing people with, you know, things to do and to get to know each other online and, you know, come to campus and get some free lunch and those kinds of things, you know, it still probably wasn't enough, right? We all suffered this past year and it was hard for me to lift up everybody and to make them feel good every day. Um, That's an impossible task, but uh, that's what I was aiming for, and that's what my team was aiming for, is just how do we help people feel better? How do we help people feel good about themselves and their situation in, in really tough times? Um, So, yeah, you just have to be there to serve, to lift people up. Um, If you are going to take it personally, like, oh, they're being disrespectful or, you know, well, then the door is going to close. Right. So she obviously felt comfortable enough to call me, which was great. Right. I saw that as a positive. And then second of all, um, if I would have shut her down, she would have never she'll never call me again. Right. To share with me what she's thinking and what she believes other people are thinking. So you just have to take it from where it comes. Yeah.
1: Well, last question, you kind of um, talked about your excitement for August 2nd, I think, when you're Mm -hmm. all going to be back together on your campus. I'm wondering if you think, getting back to this topic that we started with um, at its core, bringing faculty and administration together, do you think that there's a new opportunity post-pandemic to maybe do things differently, to maybe think differently about one another, to to connect in new and different sorts of ways, and and how might you use this new opportunity to, to build those sorts of bridges and connections?
2: Well, I definitely think so. I think we're all kind of yearning for some personal contact, and so I think we need to talk about what was the good parts of that that we missed, And then what are the parts of the virtual world that we really think were helpful to all of us? Uh, Because the virtual world did allow me to stay in touch with people a lot more conveniently and a lot more often than what I would have done, you know, face to face. Uh, Face to face takes a tremendous amount of time. It's important, but it takes a tremendous amount of time. In fact, our faculty senate officers have said, I think we're going to continue to have our meetings virtually because we got better attendance, right? People could come in from wherever they are, right? So if they're on their way home, they could join. If they're, you know, at a conference, they could step out and join. So they're going to probably keep it uh, virtual because it is so convenient and more people were connected. But I think we just need to talk about the pros and the cons of what we experienced and what worked for us um, and then continue to try to build a community and a culture that allows us to do work together.
1: Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, it it sounds like you have great big plans to embrace and to create change and community and connection between and among not only your administrators at Indiana University Kokomo, but throughout the Indiana University system. Uh, Congratulations on your appointment. Thank you so much for your leadership in the ACE Women's Network and in your leadership and example in um, the state of Indiana as as a higher education leader. You uh, always have wonderful things to say, very practical advice and counsel and, and very humble sorts of examples that... Uh, lay out exactly what you're trying to share and teach. So I thank you for that.
2: Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate that. I'm looking forward to working with our new first female president of Indiana University and the history of the institution. So that's going to be very exciting, uh, President Pam Winton. And um, just want to say to your your audience out there that uh, I always try to give back. And so if there are young women leaders out there, I'm always happy to chat and to connect. And the ACE network is, is Indiana network is a great place to do that. So I hope that you will join, but, but if you just want to flip me an email or something like that, I'm always happy to try to connect. Um, There were a lot of women in my past uh, who, who looked backwards and uh, pulled me up. So I want to be able to make sure that I'm looking all around and not just behind me, but all around up, down, whatever way uh, so that we can help each other.
1: Well, that's very, that's very gracious of you. Thank you. And, and we're grateful for the women who, who looked back because uh, you, you're a great resource and a great uh, strength and a great model for all of us in the state. So thank you so much. We appreciate your time today. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find more information about Sue on our program notes. And uh, we thank you for joining us today. Bye-bye.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you to today's guest and thank you to you, our listeners. You can find out more about our guest in the show notes. We hope the APL NextEd Minipod is a helpful resource to you and your teams. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your colleagues. The APL NextEd Minipod is brought to you by APL NextEd, the leading academic operations platform helping academic teams connect and collaborate in one place. To learn more about how APL NextEd is helping schools streamline academic operations, visit APLNextEd.com.